0: We all have to do things that, the money is great, but we all have to do things that we feel are, to a degree, our calling in this world, right? That's where you're going to prosper. That's where you're going to perform at your absolute best if you, you know, if you ask yourself, like, if I had a billion dollars, would I still wake up and do this?
1: Welcome to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. Josh Cantwell. If you love entrepreneurship and investing in real estate, then you are in the right place. Josh is the CEO of Freeland Ventures Real Estate Private Equity and has personally invested in well over 500 properties all across the country. He's also made hundreds of private lender loans and owns over 1,000 units of apartments. Josh is an expert at raising private money for deals and he prides himself on never having had a boss in his entire adult life. Josh and his team also mentor investors and entrepreneurs from all over the world. He doesn't dream about doing deals. He actually does them and so do his listeners and students now sit back listen listen learn learn and accelerate your business your life and your investing with the accelerated investor podcast.
2: So Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. For all of our listeners who've been with us for a while or whether this is your very first Accelerated Investor podcast, thanks so much for joining us. I'm honored to be here with you, whether you're in the gym, whether you're on a walk, whether you're getting ready for your day or you're in your car in your commute and you're listening to Accelerated Investor. I hope you've enjoyed all of the episodes. I'm so excited to be part of your routine, part of your life And helping you achieve your goals as a real estate entrepreneur and helping achieve your lifestyle goals and your cash flow goals. Um, Just love bringing you, whether it's a guest, whether it's a solo cast, and bringing you some of the best of the best information to help you along your journey. Uh, My guest today is a good friend of mine. We've actually known each other going on nearly 10 years. His name is Danil Kleiman. He is a real estate entrepreneur and a software developer from Richmond, Virginia. He owns over 100 units uh, of properties, both single-family duplexes, commercial buildings. He's a developer, he's a builder, and he also uh, has an amazing software company that helps real estate investors. We'll talk a little bit more about that. And what I'm excited to talk to Danilo about is also our journey. Uh, when Danilo and I first met years and years ago, he was single. We were relatively new to real estate. Uh, now both of us are a little bit aged, a little bit more white hair, um, married both of us with kids, and we'll talk a little bit about our entrepreneurial journey and how family has actually maybe changed our perspectives, changed our priorities. So, Danil, thanks so much for being here. Welcome to Accelerated Investor.
0: Yeah, man. Great great talking to you again. I feel like it's been, it's been a couple of years, but it probably hasn't been that long, so...
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Danil and I not only have shared ideas for raising money, but we've done some affiliate uh, you know, deals where we promoted some of his different products and services to our audience, and he's done the same with his audience. And uh, some of our customers are also customers of his, so we've had a lot of connections over the years. So Danil, first of all, I'd love to talk to my guests first about their money-making strategy in real estate. So just tell our audience a little bit about what you do to make money in real estate. Sure, so right now, my, my business primarily
0: revolves around development. I, I started out rehabbing single family houses, then I moved into rehabbing duplexes and and quads and over the last couple of years i've largely transitioned to building ground up and, and I can talk about that later if you want, but I, I like ground up a lot better than I like rehabbing for many, many reasons, but primarily, my business right now revolves around building properties to then keep in my rental portfolio and the, this Includes duplexes, includes quads, larger apartment buildings. A bunch of projects I'm developing now are mixed use, Uh, so corner commercial, uh, and then rest are apartments. And that's really the type of development I like a lot right now. Is we're doing we do mostly infill in uh, the downtown area, and uh, the infill development where I can add uh, a commercial tenant that becomes an amenity to the neighborhood, and that in turn attracts. Makes the rest of my apartments in the building more attractive. That those are really the type of projects I'm doing now. I've got three of them currently going on. So, okay. and, I, and, and I and I and build. I build spec houses. And I was just telling you before we started the call, we listed three houses today that we built ground up uh, that we're going to sell to own our occupants. But that's not really the primary focus of my business, especially now because I I think where the market is headed in the next couple of years, I'm going to be a lot safer just by by building rentals versus
2: developing. Um, houses to flip, basically. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, I agree. You know, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the strategy for sure. But Danelle, tell me a little bit more about how your investing strategy of development and commercial projects, how does it help you achieve your entrepreneurial and your family and your relationship goals? Cause that's really what we're doing here, right? Is yeah. we're investing in real estate ultimately to produce some sort of income or lifestyle for ourselves and our family. So tell me a little bit more about that, and how does your real estate uh, fill in and, and protect and provide for what you want to do from a lifestyle and family perspective? Sure. So I, you know, honestly, from day one, I I, I was never that excited
0: about flipping, and 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 I, I tell this to our subscribers and our our clients all the time, so they 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 know my story very well. But all I want is monthly checks. All I want is a residual cash flow. I I cannot, you know, you see people post five, $10,000 checks from their wholesale deals on Facebook and everybody gets excited. It's never, and that's great, but it's, it, it's never excited me, right? One time paydays it, don't excite me. It's like, these guys still have a job. And if you're, if you're wholesaling and you're listening to this, that's great. And it's, if you're doing great, that's wonderful. But it's just, I felt it was never for me. I, I want to do a deal once and then I want to keep getting paid. Yeah. So, so most of my focus revolves around building assets that will then stay in my portfolio. We have a great in-house management team and we build a great product. We design it. We pick out the finishes. It's attractive. It's easy to lease. It's, it rents, I mean, I just finished it, a little six unit building where we had leases before the drywall went up. <laughs> That's right? fantastic. Tenants walk through a new construction project when we still barely had insulation hanging out of the walls and we had leases at, at top dollar, right? Because they we can show them the rest of our portfolio. They know that we build a great product. And so that's that's kind of what I'm passionate about. At the end of the day, so you asked me about my goals and we all have to do things that, the money is great, but we all have to do things that we feel are, to a degree, our calling in this world, right? That's where you're right. going to prosper. That's where you're going to, perform at your absolute best. If you, you know, if you ask yourself, like, if I had a billion dollars, would I still wake up and do this? Right. So, and I read this in the book somewhere, uh, a couple of months ago, but I asked myself that question. If I had a billion dollars, all the money in the world that I needed, if I never had to work a day again in my life, if I had great family relationships, if I had great everything, would I still wake up and develop real estate and the answer is yeah i would because like i truly enjoy it so nice so the money is great but but this is what i feel like i i was really meant to be doing and i'm slowly working my way to doing it on a bigger scale right certainly like no uh donald trump at at for now but you know i'm 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 getting there organically right i'm 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 mostly self-funding our deals so i'm not really bringing in outside investors and mm-hmm. so, you know, if I can afford to do a, like this week we broke ground in a 14 unit mixed use building. Uh, I'm talking to contractors right now about a 25, use, 25 unit building. So I, c- I can afford to do those projects on my own. And, it's, and every day I'm, I'm learning, right? That, and that's the other thing, right? So again, you asked me about my goals and
2: yeah.
0: how, how I want to sort of live my life. And I, I believe in doing something where I have to learn every single day. So I I wake up and I learn something new about commercial development every single day. And I've been doing it for years. And it's one of those things where there is no end in sight to what you can learn. And it's it's fascinating, right?
2: So to that point, what I find is learning often comes with some risk, right? Where, you know, it could be a small risk of I'm going to go to a boot camp. I'm gonna take the small risk of taking a day or two or three off of work and spend maybe $1,000 on travel and a ticket in a hotel. That's one form of risk. Your form of risk is actually in the field, like you're actually in the dirt, building something new, you're learning along the way. So yeah. you have to kind of put yourself out there take some risk in some way in order to learn something new. How do you manage that in your own mind? How are you comfortable with risk in order to learn something new and balancing where you're not trying to learn too much and right. take too much right. risk? Well, you
0: know, we, we have a great team. So in any project that I undertake, I have I have a, a great team of architects. We have civil engineers, soil engineers, structural engineers. Um, MEP, mechanical, electrical, plumbing engineers. I always have great people I can consult, and I partner with good contractors. And ask good questions. And and yeah, it's a little bit scary because I'm I'm learning really with my own money. But I almost feel better doing that than if I was, if I had investor money in the deals.
1: Mm-hmm. If, I,
0: if I was learning using their money. So, I, you know, I, I I look at money with sort of a pragmatic. Uh, point of view like i 've been broke before, and then I made some money when I had my corporate job, then I was broke again, Then I made some money. you could go out and you can make money right it's not i don 't mind risking money right i don 't mind if if it if it buys me learning experience and if it has potential to get me to the next level i don 't mind putting some money at risk and putting my money where my
2: mouth is at the end of the day, so got it. So let's talk about your deals for a minute. look a bit, little bit around risk, you know, a lot of people are taught to be all in on a rehab deal at roughly seventy percent of what it's going to be worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me a little bit about your development, your commercial building um, process. Is your philosophy the same? Are you trying to build a building maybe and be all in for two million? and have it be worth roughly three million when you're done or help us just understand a little bit more about your evaluation process because that goes right back to that risk and learning. And also, like we talked about building this portfolio lifestyle, if you get Mm -hmm. into the dirt a little bit more about when you look at a 25 unit or a 14 unit, how do you want to be all in on that versus Mm -hmm. what is it going to be worth and then refinancing into permanent permanent financing? So so that's a great question. 70%
0: is tough to achieve in new construction. Construction costs have gone up so much that our initial margins. So I look at it based on sweat equity, right? So the way I look at it is if I can build and have my all-in cost basis, including my land, including all my soft costs and all my hard costs, including my cost of financing. If I can be into the deal for 80, even to 85% of the current appraisal, I'm okay. Right, I'm, I'm looking for a minimum of fifteen, preferably twenty percent sweat equity. Thirty, I've been able to achieve thirty on our residential projects right now. So if I build a duplex, I can get I can get to thirty percent equity because residential is cheaper to build. Right. Sure. Once you're building multifamily, you, you now have sprinkler systems, you have backflow preventers, you have additional fire rating things to happen, you have all of these additional things that cost you a lot of money. So in my commercial projects, if I can get the 15, 20% equity, I'm a happy camper. Also assuming that I am generating a sufficient cash and cash return year one on the money that I have left tied up in the deal. So right. if I'm into the deal for 80 to 85% of its value,
2: it's going to be very hard for me to refi out and get all my money out. Right. Yeah. Permanent finance lender might be at 70, 75% of the stabilized value. So you maybe have 10, 5, 10, 15% of your money left in the deal. Correct. So that's when you're talking about that cash on cash, like year one net operating income and net free cash flow compared (laughs) to what you have left in the deal, right?
0: That's exactly right. So if I'm leaving money, money in the deal, I want that money to be working for me for day one. Now I don't need an exorbitant return these days on commercial stuff I'm targeting ten percent. So if I've left a hundred thousand dollars in a deal, I want to have my net cash flow clean. So people also look I look at cash flow differently. Even if it's a new construction project, we chop off ten percent of gross rents away for reserves. Got, Got it. Right? Brand new property, no maintenance for the first couple of years, I'm still chopping 10% off and I'm putting into capital Uh, capital reserves so my cash flow clean after my mortgage after all my operating expenses after reserves after our management we we have an in-house management company but we charge an 8% management fee so after my management fee if I've left $100,000 in a deal and if I'm generating $10,000 a year in cash flow that's a 10% cash and cash return I'm happy because it's going to grow from there right Right. it will likely grow and, and then if you add Appreciation, depreciation, amortization on top of that ten percent cash and cash return. My my actual my
2: actual return is far higher than that. Love it, love it. So, so. Daniel, let's talk a little bit about team building. Then, so if you've got your money, a little bit of money left in the deal, um, you know, last time we talked in, in, on a on a deeper level, you didn't have a whole lot of like full time employees, right? And I'm I'm sure that's probably still the case, right? In, in my real estate so,
0: business, I have one full-time employee. It's my full-time property manager. And, and as our unit count surpasses probably 150 next year, I'm, I'll hire a second one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, that, and that's it. So, I mean, we have a part-time bookkeeper and then everybody else is, is outsourced. I've been thinking about bringing in an in-house project manager, but then I would have to get finally my GC license, which I've been avoiding doing. So, we just <laughs> we outsource to general contractors for now.
2: Um, yeah, it's um, it's awesome to hear you say we have a hundred, you know, a hundred doors, and we have another hundred or or more, you like in process, mm-hmm. and for you to have one full time employee, I love it. Um, but yeah. you still have to build a team, right? You mentioned different types of engineers. You mentioned different types of architects. Mm-hmm. You've got to have leasing agents. You've got to have uh, you know those types of things. You're essentially the general contractor and ultimately the asset manager. I guess you could describe yourself as you've had to surround yourself with other great people, even though they might not be full-time. So just talk a little bit more about that. How are you sourcing those people? How are you putting yourself out there to network with the people? Because really, your projects and your profits can only be as good as your team, even if that team is an outsourced team. So talk a oh, little yeah, bit more about I, that.
0: Absolutely. And absolutely, I mean, these days executing development projects, even sort of the smaller scale stuff that we're doing is is challenging just because it's hard to get people's attention. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's so busy and so I mean when you're talking about a team again we've got uh, we've got three four different architects that we work with uh, different survey surveyors I have a land-use attorney that um, he's great and he helps me with every rezoning that we have to do and every zoning variance and special use permit uh, we have structural engineers soil engineers but to answer your question it trial and error right you the best source of these people in your market is going to be referrals from other investors. And then test slow, right? Engage with somebody on a small project. If it's a new architect, you know, get referrals, look at their past work. Um, if there's a smaller project that you can work with them on at first, that's better than jumping into a big project. It, it's trial and error and, and and seeing who you have chemistry with and who you can get along with and and, who does what they say they're going to do when they say they're going to do it. To me, that's really, if, if I can find people that consistently do what they say when they say they're going to do it and how they said they were going to do it, that's like gold to me. You know. Yeah. And those people are few and far in between. And when you find those people, hang on to them for dear life because as you said, Josh, your, your team will make all the difference in the world, whether it's an outsourced team or an in-house team it will determine everything it'll determine your success
1: Absolutely.
0: so finding those good people is, is crucial and it, it's it's just like finding good contractors it's referrals and then trial and error you, yeah. you're, gonna, you're gonna kiss a lot of frogs before you find your prince charming but then when you find your prince charming just
2: treat them well pay them fast don't be a dick <laughs> right people like to get paid fast right and they like, okay. like yeah, everyone likes, you know, needs to be firm without, like I said, being a jerk, right? That, that's part of the process. People that win or people that are, that do what they say, pay on time, firm, but not a jerk. Like all those things are, I think, basic, like things you learn in like second, third grade. But I think sometimes adults, we forget that we yeah. learned that when we were kids. Yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, it's amazing you know. that it just translates into business still, you know, 20 years later. I know it's, but we're,
0: we are stubborn, slow creatures. We don't always learn and, you know, set your expectations ahead of time with people, treat them fairly, you know, I'm, I'm prone to, to flying off the handle once here and there, but, but I also have a great reputation in my town from the point of view that like, I've never, ever, ever screwed anybody over. You will never find anybody that has done any work for me that will tell you I shorted them a single penny. Nice. A lot of investors have so that important. reputation. A guy finishes a job, and you show up, and you're like, ah, but you cost me an extra three days, and I have to pay interest to my lender, so I'm gonna shortchange you, or you know, oh, I I had a change order, but I'm not gonna pay you for it. I mean, people have a bad reputation, so it's important to it's important to maintain your reputation. Be known as somebody that that can be trusted, right? right. I, I pay I pay quickly, I pay on time, and I and I've always paid. Everyone. And, right. and that goes, to, to a degree, that goes a long way with contractors because, you know, th-
2: the really good contractors right now, they have their pick of who to work with. Yeah, I mean, there's, there, there's, like, there's an abundance of projects, right? There's a lot of money floating around. People have their no own money, a lot of private money, but there's a shortage yeah. of operators and contractors and builders. We've definitely experienced the same thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's there's no shortage of, of work for them. So, you know, be, be the guy that, that treats people Farron is known for that.
2: Yeah. My newest and most powerful real estate investing book, The Flip System, is now available. And for a limited time, you can grab your free copy at getflipsystem.com forward slash podcast. Using the same proven principles, Secrets and investing strategies I'm sharing in this book. I've been able to personally close over 750 highly profitable real estate deals over the last 15 years, make over 400 private lender loans, raise over 30 million dollars of private money, and acquire over 2,000 units of apartments. Get my newest book now for free for a limited time. At GetFlipSystem.com slash podcast. That's GetFlipSystem.com slash podcast. I wanted to ask you about um, this, this theme of trial and error, risk, learning. Like I think when when we're a new entrepreneur, whether it's real estate or something else, you feel like, oh my God, I'm doing this brand new thing, it's so exciting, there's risk involved, but I'm learning. We know that there's gonna be a lot of trial and error. You know mm-hmm. that when you get started. But there's this false belief that you're gonna to get to some time in the future, let's say it's five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, and all of a sudden your business is gonna be perfect and you're no longer gonna to have to take risk, you're no longer gonna to have to learn, you're never gonna to have to have trial and error, but here you and I are, five, 10, 20 years into our careers, talking about we're still learning, it's still trial and error. So when did you realize, was there a time or a moment or an experience maybe years ago that you realized that this whole learning trial and error thing is really never gonna end and I've gotta be comfortable knowing that if I'm gonna expand, if I'm gonna do more things, I'm gonna constantly be learning and that's uncomfortable. And you have to realize that I'm never gonna probably be totally comfortable. Did you ever have a moment like that that sticks out for you or when did you kind of realize that was just going to be part of being an entrepreneur? Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I had a specific moment. I, I also think it's kind of the
0: path that I chose, right? Like I even called it cheesy, but I called my development, my development company is called Evolve Development, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because I, from day one, saw our business as something that's going to, wait for it, evolve, right? Constantly. And they see other investors in my market, and we have a lot of investors who are clients and subscribers and you know, I meet these guys who are sixty years old and they're still doing single family houses deals, the same exact deal that they've been doing for thirty years yeah. and and it's great, right they're really good at it, it works for them, it makes money, they're comfortable. but I never envisioned myself being one of those guys right i i I like being out I like being out of my comfort zone and 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 so I'm used at this point to waking up every day and feeling like I don't know half the shit that I'm supposed to be doing today. Right. right? Like, like, I, like, like every day. Every yeah. Day. And especially again, like a, as, as I'm getting into more and more into really interesting commercial development, I, I feel like a fish out of water every single day. But uh, what works for me is kind of being humble about it and be just being upfront with people. Like it's funny, right? Because like you and I, we have big email lists and and we're known in this industry and, you know, I, I doubt I'm very well known, but, but there's a good chunk of people that know me that, that get my emails and, and, they, and they look at us like we're somebody to look up to. But I'm telling you, man, like every other day I wake up and, and I talk to contractors and I'm like, listen, I'm sorry if I sound like a moron.
1: Yeah. But I've never had
0: to do, you know, helical peers before in order to put in foundations. I don't even know half of this terminology. Can you talk to me like I'm a five-year-old? But, yeah. but I think that's important, right? Being humble and, and not pretending to know what you don't know right. and, and just being upfront with people. And so I, I, it's better than, than puffing up your chest and saying, you know, I'm, I'm this big time person. People will see right through that. So I, I, I'm very upfront if I'm in a situation where I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, I, I'm upfront about it. And I use that as a learning opportunity and then it becomes interesting. Every day I'm learning something incredible.
2: That's great, that's great. Um, so I don't, I want to pivot into you're also running amazing software, software development, and doing that for real estate investors as well. But before I go there, a couple quick questions, couple quick hitters about real estate. So, sure. how old were you when you did your first deal?
0: Uh, I bought my first property when I was 26. 26. Nice. I was still working
2: full time, but I like that was my first deal. Got it. Um, what were you doing? Do you remember the moment when you decided you were going to go into real estate full time?
0: Yeah, I got fired from my from my job. <laughs> um, it was it was two thousand eight, and I got fired from my job. And 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 it does, this doesn't have to be a long story, but I worked for an investment bank in Midtown Manhattan, and it was August fourteenth. Yeah. I remember like it was yesterday, and and I got laid off, and it was during the recession, so a lot of people were getting laid off, but. I, I decided to walk that day from Midtown to my $3,000 a month Upper East Side apartment that I could no longer, as of that moment, afford. And and I walked like 40 blocks. And during that walk of those 40 blocks, I made the decision not to send out any resumes. And I was done. Yeah. And I, and I, and, and I had no idea exactly what I was going to do, but I knew I wanted to do real estate and I knew I wanted to do something on my own. And... And, uh, and it was, it was an interesting conversation I had with myself at that point. And it was, it was a, an advice that was given to me by a mentor a couple of years back. And uh, the advice basically was that if you need to make a hard decision, it's good to think in, in really extreme examples. So I had a decision to make at that point, well, was I going to find another job? right? Because I knew knew the money. I didn't, you know, I, I worked in New York. I wasn't really saving anything. And so I asked myself a question. I said, is there any job that I could land tomorrow, any job where I would wake up and be excited next week to go to it? If somebody came up to me in the middle of the street and said, Daniel, you know, you silly 28 year old that doesn't know what the hell is going on. You're now the CEO of MGM studios, you know, you're going to get paid five million a year and fly on the private jet. Would I be excited about waking up and going to do that job? And the answer was no. no.
2: Yeah.
0: No. And, and, and so that made things really easy for me, right? There wasn't, there was no question that at that moment. I, I just said, I'm done. And I'm going to go full time yeah. into something that has to do with real estate. State.
2: Love it. Love it. So another question Thank around that. Chance. Yeah. another question around that, so extreme examples, I love that sort of discussion around extreme example of what would be the one thing I would do? What, did you have that same thought in your head, like extreme example, the opposite, opposite direction? Like, I just got fired. I have an apartment and expenses that I can't afford. Did you do that same thing in your head to think like, okay, what's the worst case scenario extreme example? Because I find it very refreshing when I'm yeah. in a pinch, when I'm in a challenge, when I've got something in my business or in my life that's not going well. I actually Mm -hmm. use that very similar tactic to say, okay, let's sit down. Let's think before we freak out, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen? Let's resolve ourselves to the fact of this is worst case scenario. And you know what? This is really not that bad. So what were your thoughts around that? With going through that experience? Yeah. I mean, I asked myself and, and I did ask myself that, right?
0: What's the worst that can possibly happen? So here's the worst that would possibly happen. I would spend the next two years of uh, living with my parents back home and trying to build a business, which I ended up doing. I moved in. I got rid of my apartment. I cut all my expenses to zero and then moved in with mom and dad. And it was, it was a humbling experience at 28, but it was the best thing I ever could have done for myself. But I asked myself, well, what's the worst that could happen? I would spend two years or three years fumbling around, living with mom and dad, trying to build a business. Then I would give up. Right and fail and go and look for a job and i would sit there at that job interview and the guy would say there's a gap in your resume of three years what were you doing and i would say well i i built a company it didn't work out here's the things that i learned one two three four five six seven eight nine and and who wouldn't hire me at that point even if i failed at building a business the things that i would have learned just by trying to build that business would be a resume builder like no other and that's the worst that could happen i would in two, three years or whenever I cho- I chose to give up, I would go and I would find another decent job, in maybe yeah. a better job than the one I got fired from because of all the things that I, I had to learn by being an entrepreneur. That's the word. We, How bad is that? So, and yeah, you, you know, we, we all look back. During the moment, we tend to freak out about whatever's going on. Right. Back on the two weeks later and you've, you barely remember it, right? The things that in the moment we feel are a big deal and that we need to really freak out about.
2: Three months later, you're, you're onto something else. You don't even really remember
0: about that moment.
2: Absolutely. So. Two more rapid fire questions. Um, then we're, yeah. we're wanna, I want to talk software. Um, what was the most money you've ever made on a deal? And then what was the least money you've ever made on a deal?
0: <laughs> most money I made on a deal, uh, realized money or non-realized money. I, I had a piece of land under uh, contract one time that before I even closed on it, I had an offer for close to $600,000 higher. I, I chose not to accept that offer. I bought the nice. land. Uh, realized profit, um, th- 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 there was a new house that we sold. I think we made like $170,000 on it, on, on a new there you construction go. house. So that's probably the biggest. Again, I don't
2: unrealized profit,
0: Ari? Well, that was the land examples an unrealized profit because I never, I never sold it. I still own the land, right. I'm gonna build 130 units on it. But I could have flipped that contract and made close to 600 grand mm-hmm. on, on that land without ever developing it.
2: Yeah, and the un- so, unrealized profits is honestly where the bigger profits are at. Like all your whole portfolio, fr- frankly, yeah. is unrealized equity. profits, it's all equity. And mm-hmm. that's the balance sheet builder. That all of a sudden now you can qualify for larger loans. You can sponsor more deals. Yep. That's what banks care about: is cash flow and equity, not exactly. necessarily income. And frankly, the cash flow and the equity is the way you reduce your taxes and pay the least amount to the government, yep. um, and uh, and least amount of money that you've ever uh, made on a deal, or maybe lost money on a deal.
0: The very first uh, rehab and flip that I tried doing, I probably made every possible mistake you you I mean every single mistake you could have made from from buying on the wrong street to hiring the wrong contractor and having to fire him halfway through and starting over to uh, rehabbing on just on the, on a shitty block where on a Friday afternoon somebody pulled up with two trucks and when we had the house already finished and staged and literally in the middle of the day while the neighbor was sitting on the front porch Uh, drinking coffee or actually sorry on his back deck he was sitting and drinking coffee two vans pulled up into the backyard took heat pumps all appliances ripped out air handler out um (laughs) they ripped out the dishwasher and it flooded the basement uh they took everything that we staged with furniture napkins silverware wow everything brought daylight cleaned us out um my insurance ended up covering it, but I had like this ridiculous deductible that I then fired my insurance guy. I mean, it was just a disaster. But what saved me was I bought really cheap. And that goes back to the old adage and yeah, in real estate investing, which is you, you make your money when you buy. And so luckily I bought really cheap and I ended up losing probably like $5,000 net net. When we sold the house, I, I, was, I lost a couple
2: of grand. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Given given how many mistakes I made, that's that I call that a win. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Daniel, tell us a little bit more about you've you've taken now all this experience as a developer, builder, raising private capital, funding deals on your own, building a massive portfolio, doing new construction. And you've kind of boiled all that down into your software, Rehab Valuator, which we're very familiar with. Uh, A lot of my audience is familiar with it because we've promoted it in the past. But Mm -hmm. I know it's evolved over the years. You've added to it over the years. It does amazing things. Um, So I definitely want to kind of plug that, tell my audience that they should be using it and where they can go get it. So just describe it real quick about what it does. And then just throw out your website where, uh, where our folks can go get a free trial.
0: Sure. And, and, you know, and I, and I appreciate you, you know, you've, you've spread the word about the software in the past and, and, I, and I really appreciate that. It, it's basically uh, the, the software, the original version of the software came out almost when I started my real estate business. and And it was originally developed as a spreadsheet just for myself to use in doing deals. And since then, it's evolved into a pretty sophisticated cloud-based platform. And there's a free version and there is a premium version and you can get the free version if you go to rehabvaluator.com r e
2: h a b yeah we'll we'll put that in the uh, in the we'll put that in the show notes as well rehabvaluator.com right. yeah but it's it so it really does three things it's an analysis it's a
0: deal analysis deal marketing and project management software so in terms of deal analysis you can use it to pull comparable sales determine your after repair value determine the offer that you should make on your property uh, look at different financing scenarios and see what your financing will cost you Determine your projected profit if you're going to flip the house or if you're going to rent it. You can use it for rehabs. You can use it for new construction. We use it in our development business because I can literally model this is what I'm buying land for. This is what my construction will cost me. This is what my short-term financing costs me when it's done this is my projected income projected expenses and now I'm going to refine to permanent financing and and it spits out you know what my debt coverage ratio on the new loan will be what my net cash flow will be how much equity I have in the deal so I use it daily for my my development projects uh that so that's one that's analysis marketing if you're a wholesaler it creates marketing presentations that you can use to sell your wholesale deals and you can there's social media syndication functionality there that you can use to build your cash buyers list. And then marketing also in terms of if you're buying a deal yourself, you need to raise money. So a lot of our users use the software to put together private lender presentations for their projects, as well as bank financing packages for their projects. And I do the same. So mm-hmm. I've, used, I've, I've raised over $10 million in, in funding probably using just the simple presentations that the software puts together. Nice. And, and then nice. lastly, there's a project management component. So you can build out detailed uh, rehab budgets. You can create cost templates so that when you're looking at your next deal, instead of recreating your budget, you can pull up a cost template and then create a rehab or a new construction estimate for your project in, in a couple of minutes. It, it's got ability to put together scopes of work for your contractors. You can track all your bids. Store your documents. There is uh, an in-app accounting system that basically lets you track your project as you're paying people, contractors, and then it tells you in real time what's my budget versus what's my actual. Where does my project stand category by category? And then creates really detailed, easy to understand reporting around it that you can use internally with your team or you can share with your partners, with your lenders. And uh, we're getting ready to release scheduling functionality for your rehabs, a couple of other things. So, But I really just, you know, it's always been, I've built it based on my own business, like I'm my own client. And it just so happens that we've also been able to help thousands of other investors, which is pretty cool.
2: Are you ready to automate and explode your real estate investing? We're searching for extremely motivated individuals who are sick and tired of wasting time and want to finally see real results from their real estate investing business. We're searching for investors looking to get to the next level and become a bigger, better version of themselves while being a more successful real estate investing entrepreneur. Apply for mentoring and coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. That's joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. Yeah, guys, check it out. RehabValuator.com. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, Highly recommend it. I mean, Danil builds that software. I mean, again, it's amazing. You you built your real estate business with very few full-time employees. I know you've built your software business very similar with very few full-time employees, uh, a lot of outsourced developers and things like that. So congratulations on that. Fantastic. Um, Thank you. I wanted to wrap up, Danil, by talking a little bit more about entrepreneurial routines And talk a little bit about how those routines may have changed over the last couple years. Recently got married a couple years ago, had a few kids. And so, you know, when you're 30 years old or 35 and you're building your real estate business, you're single, you know, you have certain entrepreneurial routines. You got a lot more time in the day. Um, You know, I know what that looks like 10, 12 years ago before we had Juliana. And now those routines are changed. So. Help me understand if there's maybe two or three or four routines or things you do on a daily basis to push your business forward. So that's Mm -hmm. question number one is what do you do every day to push your businesses forward? Do you find yourself doing the same couple things to push your businesses forward? And then I'm going to ask you a second question, which is what entrepreneurial routines have you tried to embed into your, your relationships and your personal life that allow you to still build your businesses and have balance? So let's talk first about business. What are you doing every day when you get up and get started with your workday to push your business forward?
0: And, and that's a great question because, you know, as, as, we, as we had children, well, as I get married and we had children, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a completely different world. You know, I used to be a workaholic. I would work seven days a week. If I, if I wasn't traveling, I would work nonstop. I'd work in the morning, in the evening, well into the night, and, and I would just crush it and just get so much done. Right, then, right. And then you get married and I, I got lucky because my, my wife, before we even had kids, she, w- she was great. She, she would let me do my own thing. She kind of knew what she was getting into. So, there wasn't any of that nagging of um, I wasn't spending enough time with her. She kind of let me do my own thing. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. W-
0: without like neglecting her, you know, I mean. But then we had kids and, and it changes because, because now I wake up at five o'clock in the morning, but not because my alarm goes off, but because my two-year-old daughter is screaming from another room, daddy, daddy, daddy. Right. Right, right, so, so, so that's my morning. Um, I get her ready for her daycare, and and then I'm usually in the office by like seven a.m. So I've been. It, it forces you to be more productive, right? As you, mm-hmm. as as I'm sure you know, um, you want to spend time with your kids. You want to be a good father, but you don't want to neglect your business. So it forces you to get the same amount of things I used to get done, having seven days a week you know, 16 hours a day, I'm, I'm basically now having to figure out how do I get that same amount of work. And, and now as my businesses are growing and they're more demanding, I have to do even more than what I used to do. Right. Um, so I've been kind of on the big productivity kick. I I've changed up my diet a lot. Uh, I, I don't know if you like, you've probably heard of bulletproof, but all I do in the morning is I, I make a big pot of coffee I put it in the Vitamix. I blend it with uh, butter and some MCT oil, and I pour myself a thermos. I actually have it.
2: Nice. There you go.
0: I pour myself a thermos of Bulletproof coffee, and that's all that I consume until about – I try to go until about 1.32 o'clock. Sometimes I get hangry, and you know I have a protein <laughs> bar or something. But you know, some, something that simple has made – a huge impact on my ability to focus, right? Because I didn't realize this in my twenties, but what we eat directly impacts how well we're able to focus and think and how much energy we have in that. It's, it's crazy to me to look back on my twenties when I would wake up and have this huge breakfast and then wonder why I was sluggish at 10 o'clock in the morning and yep. drinking like my fifth cup of coffee. And it's so obvious, right? So I don't, so I, I do intermittent fasting now and that's, now, from like 7 a.m. until 1 p.m., I, I just, I kill it. Like, my focus is insane. Um, nice. So that's been, that's been the big thing. That's allowed me to be really productive. Just intermittent fasting, not eating food until a very late lunch. Yeah, yeah. I love uh, that,
2: Danielle, because like even for me, like I, I lost my stomach in my surgery right in 2011. So if I really eat anything at any time of the day, my body has to work overtime right. just to process that food. So the later in the day that I eat, the more energy I have. And I definitely can tell as soon as I put something in my mouth, my energy level, and my pro is it's going to slow down. It's partly with age, partly because I don't have a stomach. So it's amazing to hear that routine can change everything and the focus level to just stay down. And you're not getting up looking for the next snack. You're not getting up looking for the next pot of coffee. You're not getting up thinking, what am I going to eat? You just, it, you just eliminate that from the conversation in your head so that you can just stay down focused on whatever you're working on. I love it. It's it's Wallace. So, so yeah,
0: so you're onto something because there's a secondary benefit benefit to that. It's that I don't wake up in the morning and spend any time making a decision of what to have for breakfast. And yeah. the more you can eliminate those tiny, you know, if you add up all the tiny choices you have to make throughout your day, if you use up your willpower and your your ability to make those choices early in the day, you're then not going to have enough left for the important choices. So figuring out what to wear in the morning, figuring out what to have for breakfast, all of that, they seem like minor choices, but look at how much time you're spending in the morning figuring that stuff out. And it eats away at your ability to focus, it eats away at your time. So uh, most of the time when, when I am out and about or when I'm in the office, I, I have the same t-shirt on, right? I have, yeah. I have like 20 of identical t-shirts. They either have my software logo on them or they're just a basic blue t-shirt. And I wake up in the morning, I put on a pair of jeans and I put on one of those t-shirts and I don't think about it. And it might seem like a minor thing, but it makes a big difference. I wake up, I don't think about what to wear. I don't think about what to have for breakfast. I just go.
2: Yeah, love it,
0: and and it, it, it. and it, it, it makes a difference. So 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 that diet is one. Obviously, I've had to be better at building a team, like we talked about in the beginning, and surrounding myself with really good people, and outsourcing more of the things that I don't want to be doing. And that's a constant. You know, it's a constant challenge and struggle, and I'm still, uh, I I'm still way too much of a control freak. And I don't outsource enough, and I'm still doing too many things myself that I should have probably had like a personal assistant do a long time ago. so you know I'm getting better at that, um and I have to right because my my amount of time is compressed mm-hmm, the hours mm-hmm. have the day is compressed so so I'm trying to make a better effort to do that and surround myself with more good people um and there there's other small things right like like exercising that that's become more and more important because. You know, you get into your late 30s, your metabolism slows down and you yeah. know, things that I could get away with in my 20s, I, I can't anymore. Right. So we got away with a lot
2: in our 20s, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you realize when you're about 40, you're yeah. like, wow, I used crazy. to crazy. You didn't even think about all the bad things I was doing to myself and my body and all this crazy stuff. And it didn't even matter. I had just as much energy. And now it's like, holy cow, what did it's, I drink on Friday that I'm still sluggish on Tuesday?
0: i I literally in my twenties because my first six years were spent on Wall Street, I would go out during the week with my buddies we would we would party all night and then walk onto the trading floor yeah, work all day <laughs> Just saying that out loud right now gives me anxiety yeah like oh. i I have two bourbons and I'm done for the next day
1: <laughs>
0: it's, just, it's nine a day so so we have to take better care of ourselves i you know i I drink a lot less. I'm also like really into cold showers in the morning.
2: Yeah, Um,
0: freezing. Like I finish every shower with with 60 to 90 seconds of the coldest setting possible, and it has also really positive impact on my energy levels throughout the day. There's you can read up on it. I'm not going to go into a whole spiel on it, but it's 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 habit stacking, right? It's not a term I invented. I don't know who invented it, but it doesn't really matter what you know. It doesn't even matter what you learn in this podcast, right? It doesn't even matter what you, it doesn't matter what you know. What, what matters is what you actually do consistently. I think that's a, I, that, that's a quote I read by Tony Robbins recently. Mm-hmm. but It was like, oh my God, it's so freaking brilliant, right? It, the only thing that matters is what daily habits can you build in that become habits, right? Because that, that's, what, that's what has a big impact over the long term on whatever it is you're looking to make an impact on your health, your productivity, your, your bank account, right? The only thing that matters is habits. So, yeah, that's it. so I've made a big effort over the last 12 to 18 months to just stack new habits on top of each other and make them almost things I don't think about. So I wake up in the morning, before I get out of bed, I chug 32 ounces of water to rehydrate myself. I take a cold shower, I make some bulletproof coffee and, and I'm off to the races and I'm really productive for most of my day and and it's you know it's made a big difference
2: yeah wow that's fantastic and what i love is the uh the comparison or the 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 kind of two things like habit stacking and then i wrote down the word property stacking like that, (laughs) that those two things right yeah and then you know for your software business it's really about like this is a raw way of saying it but it's it's customer customer stacking right bring in enough customers that like the software, that use it on a free basis, upgrade to the premium version, Mm
1: -hmm. and they
2: have a great software that they can use. They can use long-term and they stay for a long time. It creates consistent cash flow. And if you think about those three things, they permeate through your personal life and your habits, your properties, and your software is creating long-term habits, long-term cash flow, long-term assets. So Mm -hmm. last and final question is, Um, relative to that is you've made a lot of long-term decisions and things that are not necessarily paying off today, but you knew they would pay off in the long term. Many people, I think, want to get into real estate or want to create habits or want to create a business that will pay them for the long term, but they constantly have the short-term temptation to either maybe flip a property because I can make more money now or to drink too much alcohol because it makes me feel good now or to sell a product that's transactional where i can get more money now Mm -hmm. and so how do you think in your own mind how did you come to the realization that you're going to sacrifice some short-term immediate gratification for all these long-term things the habit stacking the property stacking the, the the customer stacking because that is a tough decision that eventually everybody has to make. We want to get into real estate for long-term equity, long-term cash flow. So we've got to give up some of the short-term like you did, the $600,000 windfall on the land to develop yeah. 100 units. So talk to me about that for a second. I think
0: the first question you should be asking yourself is like, what are your values and what do you truly want, right? I mean, if you if you want to go pop bottles at the club next weekend, you know, and, and buy that $20,000 Rolex. If that's what you truly want. And man, live your life. Yeah. yeah. Who, who am I, who am I to tell you differently? Like do what makes you happy. At the end of the day, we're all going to die. Just live, you know, live your life the way you want to, the way, the way that makes you happy. As long as you're not hurting other people live according to your values. I, I've never really been into, material stuff myself i've never really you know i grew up i I, we we were, were we're immigrants we came here with nothing for most of my middle school and high school i i had nothing i'm fine with going back to nothing like i'm it's okay like i you know what's important to me is is freedom i suck at having a job i suck at having bosses i cannot stand the thought of ever ever again in my life calling another man my boss yeah yeah
2: yeah <laughs> and, and and i
0: can't stand i can't stand the thought of ever being somewhere where i feel like the world is passing me by and i'm not really contributing anything or making my mark you know i used to i used to freak out about that when i had a full time job that i i i I was meant to be doing something else and, and I wasn't making any kind of difference where I was. And so what's important to me is having that freedom, right? Having, I've been publishing a lot of content for our subscribers and I call it the FU wall, right? Every every unit I add, every property I add to my portfolio puts another brick into my, my FU wall. Yeah. And it, it started as a pretty, pretty vulgar FU and, but you can also call it like, financially untouchable or financially unstoppable wall. And so I'm building this portfolio and it, it builds freedom for myself, right? It builds freedom for myself against ever having to work a job. It builds freedom for myself against having to start a GoFundMe campaign because my dog died, right? And need a funeral or because my car broke down. So, i I'm not I'm not in it for the money right now I, I just want that freedom and flexibility to to be able to sleep at night and know that if I want to stop working tomorrow I can I have a portfolio that supports me that will continue working for me and you know we're making lifestyle plans uh, you know we want to live in other countries when the kids are a little bit older and we want to travel the world for extended periods of time and and that's that's what my version of my real estate business will allow me to do, and you know that's that's according to my values. It shouldn't be everybody's values, and it, it, you know I, I I never try to impose what I do on other people. But for me, what I care about is optionality, yeah. right? I'll be able to wake up tomorrow, have the option to work or not work. And I always choose work because I love what I do. But I want to have the option to, you know, if something unexpected happens, I want to have optionality and I won't have ability to pay to take care of those things right so like as an example and uh, two weeks ago it was um my wife's birthday and we had a flight to Miami mm-hmm. and it was for three nights and we had dinner reservations that Friday night and American Airlines just completely shit the bed and canceled our flight right love that and and they, they didn't just cancel our flight. The only flight they could rebook us to was a flight that would make us stay overnight in, on another side of the country and then maybe eventually the next day get us to Miami. So like it was a completely ruined weekend. And it, it sucked. And, but be, because I've, I don't live like a super rich person, but I've built up a portfolio that pays me really well. We called up a private jet and within two hours we were on the jet to Miami. Nice. That's the FU wall, right? Like <laughs> that's 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 having that FU ability. And and that's what I work for. I, I work for that optionality to be able to not deal with shit.
2: Yeah. yeah. Right that
0: life throws at you. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know if that makes sense. That's I'm 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 just crazy immigrant
2: yeah Um. i love it man i don't you know whether it makes sense to other people or not like i don't do this (laughs) podcast and interview my friends and guests Uh, i primarily do it for my own and i I tell my subscribers all my listeners if you haven't heard this before i do this podcast for myself and i just hope you like it i'm going to do these interviews regardless because (laughs) of the value i get out of interviewing guys like danil and my other friends and and other amazing entrepreneurs and when i do solo casts, then it's the same thing like i just kind of throw up in the microphone because it makes me feel good. And I hope I provide value to people if they listen to it. And you know what? If they didn't listen to it, I would probably do it anyway because it makes me feel like I'm getting out my thoughts, my ideas. And, you know, you do it for yourself, man. So the fact that you're doing what you want for the optionality, for the freedom, and ultimately there's the, the, you know, the financial independence, the financial unstoppability and the FU wall for whatever reason. Sometimes it's to put it in their face and sometimes it's just for you guys it's phenomenal. So, Danil, listen, this has just been, uh, I've had an absolute blast doing this interview. It's great to catch up with you. Happy birthday. Um, you. you. know, amazing, Thank amazing you. stuff. Congratulations on your success. Um, and for all of my subscribers who are listening, if you've enjoyed this, make sure you go visit Danil's website, rehabvaluator.com. He's giving away free membership, uh, free trial membership into his software. Um, Have the opportunity to upgrade into the premium version if you'd like. But the the free version is Dynamite. Trust me, I've used it. I've checked it out. I've promoted it. You absolutely should should check it out. Also, Danil, any other places online, whether it's website, Facebook, uh, that our audience should connect with you on or check you out on? Uh,
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm not on a lot of social media. I'm on Facebook. So you can find me on Facebook pretty easily by just searching my name. Um, I, I'm not really on Twitter or Instagram, or I'm still figuring those things out, and I'm not sure I even want to. Because yeah, <laughs> it's already too much work. But uh, you know, I'm on Facebook, and we have uh, a dedicated Facebook group for our rehab valuator users, and kind of a community of real estate investors there. And that's something you can, if you just search for rehab valuator users, you can find that group on Facebook as well, and you can connect with me that way.
2: So perfect. Well, Danielle, listen, thanks so much for being on Accelerated Investor. I had an absolute blast with you today.
0: Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me on. It's always, it's always awesome talking to you and you know, I mean, you're, you're asking great questions, so it's always, you know, it's intellectually stimulating to actually do this. So
2: yeah, you bet my friend. Appreciate you being on. We'll talk to you soon.
1: You've been listening to Josh Cantwell and the Accelerated Investor Podcast. Leave a comment on our iTunes channel and let us know what you want to learn next or who you'd like Josh to interview. While you're there, give us a five-star rating and make sure to subscribe so you can be the first to hear new episodes. Follow Josh Cantwell and his companies, Strategic Real Estate Coach and Freeland Ventures on all social media platforms now and stay up to date on new training and investment opportunities to start your journey toward the lifestyle you've always dreamed of. Apply for coaching at Josh Cantwell